Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Joshua Jackson. As regular listeners of this interview series will know, we speak to business leaders, educators, healthcare workers, politicians up and down the country to find out who they are, what makes them get out of bed each morning and, you know, actually work out what makes this great country work. And today I'm here with Sean Hackerman. He is a chartered accountant and the founder of Specialist Accounting Solutions. He's got loads of experience and there's going to be a couple of things that we're going to be really focusing on today and it's going to make for a really interesting conversation. Now, Sean, if you wouldn't mind, um, if you could let listeners know who you are, where you come from, what you do and how you got there. Yeah, hi. Uh, my name's Sean Hackerman. I'm the director and founder of Specialist Accounting Solutions. Um, I've been a chartered accountant since 2005. And during that time, I worked for a number of accounting firms and corporate finance boutiques. And in 2015, I set up Specialist Accounting Solutions. And I did that because I really wanted to make a difference to our uh, businesses, uh, to our clients' businesses. Um, so we're very, very commercially driven and organized. And we are, we are committed to giving our clients the most reliable, accurate, and insightful financial information about their business. And really what we do is we provide uh, three core services that um, um, financial outsourcing, so that's looking after businesses with a turnover up to about 20 million pounds turnover. Um, and we also do advise you, which is financial modeling, raising either equity or debt capital. And also we do business valuations. Uh, that's part of advisory. And then also we provide compliance services. So that's sort of in a nutshell of what, what we do. I was going to say, one of the things that we're going to be talking about today is that sort of, um, you know, management information is, you know, helping people to dive into their businesses and work out exactly what it is that they need to be doing to, you know, be, mm. be better. And, you know, if we could start off just by giving a bit of an overview of what that actually means, what is management information and what then is that service that you are providing? Yeah, it's a good question. So management information is really, in, from an accounting perspective, it's, it's management accounts, but with, with more information than you'd normally see uh, other than just numbers. So we tend to pepper that with uh, KPIs, key performance indicators, which we agree with clients, and also charts and commentary uh, around uh, the, the performance of the business. So management in information really for us is either a quarterly or a monthly management report, which tells the business owners or management teams or shareholders or investors how the business is, 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 is doing financially primarily, but also focuses on the, the actual performance of the business and, and the underlying uh, you know, key, key, key factors that are, are driving that performance. Um, so we, w what we do is we tend to work with clients who require that kind of support, who want to have their uh, figures reviewed on a, on a monthly or quarterly basis. We, we typically review the numbers or uh, if, if you know if they're prepared by someone in house, uh, like a bookkeeper, we review the figures and correct them, and then prepare this management report. And um, it, it provides a lot of value for the businesses because they can they can see how the business is doing. They they, they get an explanation in terms of you know why things are happening. Uh, they get commentary around um, you know what's going on in the business from a financial aspect primarily. Uh, but also they'll they'll have key performance indicators which we will have agreed with them which will tell them pretty much on, you know, on, on one page how their business is doing, and then they can dive into the detail um, to the extent that they, they wish to do so. Um, you know, we've worked with a number of businesses in the past, and, you know, overall the, um, you know, the, the resounding, um, you know, conclusion that I've come to so far, you know, after seven years of doing this is that, you know, it's, it's immensely help, helpful for business owners 
to, um, to, to, to have that level of information because they can then make smart decisions on ultimately what, you know, how to lead their business into making more money because really it's, it's like a virtual circle. You know, if you've got the right level of information uh, and, and, can, and can say where and how the business is doing well and, and also where and how the business is doing badly, you can make on, on the back of, back of that smart decisions around what to change, uh, what, what levers to pull. Uh, and then make a decision and then see how that decision pans out in, say, the next step of accounts or uh, quarterly update uh, to see whether the, your decision that you've made, whether that's had any impact. And then you can uh, take it from there and see whether, you know, based on the feedback of the information that you've been given, you know, whether the decision you've made, you've made has, has worked. And we call that the sort of the, 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 the feedback loop, the virtual feedback loop that kind of tells you. Um, have I made the right decision? Um, yep. And then, obviously, you, and, and then you, you can use that information from there on into to, to move forward. And I can imagine that means you have to have quite a good relationship with every client. There needs to be a level of trust there, both within them providing you the right information and then actually trusting your, um, you know, what you're giving back. You know, how do you go about you know building those relationships, and what does it mean to actually you know have that sort of long-term partnership viewpoints? That's a really, yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, we, yeah, we, we, we definitely, we, usually we uh, stay with clients for a number of years. So it sort of builds up over time. Um, but yeah, when we first get introduced to people, when we, when we first meet people, it, it takes, you know, it could take, you know, three to six months for us to start working with them more closely. And by the time we actually typically prepare the first report, they usually know us reasonably well. But um, yeah, we work very closely with the the, the, the the finance team in-house if there is one. Typically, there is either one or two people who already work in-house. That's sort of our sweet spot where you've got say, a single bookkeeper or a single finance, financial controller. And we then come in and review their work and, and, and review those figures. We have had some businesses which literally don't have any finance function whatsoever, in which case, obviously, our relationship is um, solely with the with the business owners or the or the shareholders or the any, any other stakeholders that want us involved. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very close relationship. We tend to um, represent the business in all matters uh, uh, regarding, you know, well, all financial matters. So for example, if they're looking for investment from say an equity provider, they were looking for equity capital or, or they're trying to go to bank to, to get some funding, we tend to represent um, those businesses because effectively we were you know, I or, or, or my colleagues will act as quasi uh, CFOs or, or finance directors, uh, and and that that over time, you know, you get to know people really, really well, and um, it is it is something that you know requires continual nurturing care. You can't just sort of go in there, uh, do a great job, and then disappear again. You you have to be consistently um, good at what you're doing, and and you've got consistently got to deliver because it's really important what we do. We can't, it's not something that's, you know, the kind of service that we provide is something that's really essential for them. And um, they, they, they tend to really need this kind of uh, service. And, and uh, you know, it's something that we take quite seriously. So we have to always work really hard to make sure we meet the mark and it's a consistent effort to, to sustain that. But it pays off in, you know, in these long-term current relationships that we can then help in all manner of ways. Yeah. And I can imagine that because even for those that have, uh, you know, financial departments or, you know, controllers or anything like that, versus those that are just single businessmen that, that need help with their, their you know, hitting their, their sort of financial, you know, as you say, the KPIs and, and taking that step back, you're able to provide that sort of look because sometimes they probably can't see the forest for the trees. And, you know, the fact that you're able to help them with the information that they have and you're providing 
providing that that step back service as well you know i can imagine that's really helpful for people now there's when it comes mm. to this sort of sort of information um you know how do you go about making sure that it is the right information how do you go about making sure that people are optimizing the information they have and how do you make sure that you know they are working to to pull together the right pieces of information for you to be able to do your job yeah i mean in terms of the sort of the right information what we what we tend to do is we sit down with the client and we say well you know what are the drivers of your business at the start and we say you know and then they usually they usually have some ideas around what the what the drivers are the sort of you know what for example um you know one key benchmark is say for example gross profit so every industry has slightly different gross profit margins for example construction is very very low whereas other businesses you know tend to be a lot higher uh, you know for example you know hospitality could be a lot higher than than, than construction or for example retail could be a lot higher so it really varies by by industry so we tend to have a mix of kpis around um you know financial and non-financial um uh, kpis and we start off typically with sort of a range of three to five KPIs because if you have more than that, um, you know, you, you, it's sort of you get into uh, analysis paralysis is a bit too much. So we, we agree those at the outset. And, and the crucial thing around those KPIs is that, is that they're easy to obtain. So say, for instance, say you're working with a web, web retailer, uh, you know, an online retail business. Um, you know, we would say, you know, for example, um, you know, could it be the number of website visits, the average basket price, uh, the number of, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose the average basket price is a good one, you know, because say, for example, if the number of website visits and basket prices drop, then you know why your sales have dropped. So the, the sort of the, the non-financial KPIs tend to uh, be um, in, uh, pieces of information that effectively connect the, the dots and tell you, well, my sales have gone down. Well, why have they gone down? Okay, well, there's been less people hitting the website and their basket price has dropped from, I don't know, £10.50 to £8.50. That'll, 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 that'll be a reason why. And then obviously they can go back to their, um, you know, SEO company or, or whatever other levers they need to pull to make sure that they get, you know, website traffic up and, and the average basket price up. So it's, 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 so it will be an agreed process. We, we will agree that with them. The other thing that's really important is that um, uh, the information that we're asking for them is, is easily obtainable. So we, we tend to say, look, if, if it takes two weeks to get this, this information, don't don't worry about it. We don't need that. We need something that can be relatively easily obtained that you can have pretty much at your fingertips. So that's quite important as well. Um, and and yeah, in terms of sort of stepping back, I think the what you mentioned earlier, you know, you know, yeah, we we, de- we definitely help them to step back and look at the um, information that's important because quite often they're so busy running the business they don't necessarily um, pay or can or just simply aren't able to pay a lot of attention to, well, what are the actual results of, 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 of my, my hard work? Um, so it, having, you know, up there, you know, with a lot of experience around interpreting numbers and understanding numbers, and also arguably we've got a lot of experience in other sectors and, and, and chances are we've worked with a sector, with this kind of sector before in, in some yep. shape or form. Can, that really, really helps to have an idea. So, yeah. so that that's really useful. So, we've got a, a plethora of other sectors that we work with, and we can we can uh, you know use experience from previous sectors or other sectors to sort of transfer that across. Yeah, you're pulling your uh, your experiences from working and helping other businesses, and and finding out yeah. you know 
not don't want to say people are copying each other or anything like that that's not right but yeah. um, you know just making sure, sure. You, that you have the experience of you know knowing what what it is that they do and how people should be should be going about it but but obviously there's going to be quite yeah. a few barriers um involved when it comes to being able to get this right this information and you know what do you think are, are those barriers what do you think stops people from from getting more management information and really embracing those metrics and embracing the help that you can give yeah, I mean, I think there's 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 a number of challenges. I mean, first of all, it could be just that they're um, you know they're they're uh, they, they don't have the budget and they don't have the time. Um, it could be that they've they've got a, a, just a, a simple a sort of a, a lack of knowledge around um, uh, financial information that they literally just don't understand. Some some people just aren't good with numbers, and that just is what it is. I mean, the best entrepreneurs or the most successful entrepreneurs that I've ever worked with, and still I'm still working with, they've they've kind of they've got this ability to, um, uh, to to be really good at, at, at running the business sort of operationally um, and they're, they're, they're also really good at numbers uh, as well that, that, that seems to be sort of something that sort of at least in my experience has really really sort of made a, a massive difference and the third thing is they're, they're great at communicating and managing a team you know those three things and a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, entrepreneurs have have maybe one more than the other and some of them just have very little in terms of um, you know, financial understanding, um, and and that's where we can really help them. But funny enough, we do we obviously we can also help those people that um, are just you know are, are good with numbers anyway. But it kind of yeah, I suppose it just makes our job easier if they're good with numbers, right? But I think there's a and also there could be just a lack of routine that these these people have adopted that you know they've they've run their business and arguably most most people when they first start out all they really care about is you know am, am I making enough sales? In other words, you know, is what's coming in. Uh, in the top of the funnel and can I pay all my bills and my staff and so and then they really just look at the bank balance and they say well you know what's my cash position after I've paid salary my suppliers and my VAT and and, and that's it really and then kind of once a year they might maybe take stock and they can see sort of turnovers growing so most entrepreneurs are really really good at a sort of P&L understanding or profit and loss understanding of their business but they've got no idea what's what's going on in the balance sheet which is a bit more sort of yeah. uh, technical than, than a, than a, uh, than a, than a P&L but they, 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 I think they're just operationally so drawn into stuff and they don't have the routine that unless there's some kind of outside factor where they think, oh, you know, I can't really grow anymore um, or, or, or they, they might not have the wherewithal. So it could be, it could be a sort of a, 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 a tipping point or a sort of an inflection point, shall we say, that they hit where, for example, the bank comes in and they ask for a business loan. The bank comes in and says, listen, you know, you've got no management information. We need someone to prepare management information. Then they start grappling around um, or it could be for example they get investor in where again at an inflection point they say well this is all well and good you produce annual accounts but we want the monthly thanks very much um, and, and then also it, it could be that they, they, they've, they've grown so much that they kind of realized you know they started this business and in the beginning it was doing maybe one you know one two two hundred thousand pounds turnover and then they're half a million all of a sudden they're like whoa I, you know I didn't see this coming you know obviously they're working really hard but kind of all of a sudden it's just turned into this different thing that they started off with and they realize they need help and i think those that have the wherewithal um sort of to, to sort of to, to seek support they you know they will, they will obviously benefit from the relationship they, they can have with someone like 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 our firm 
And when you're then giving these these KPIs, you're setting these uh, you know things to follow, these targets that you you'd like to have this information. You're trying to get people to embrace uh, you know the, to accepting more information and, and tracking more information and potentially looking at something more than just the PNL sheet. Do you ever give, get any pushback from it? Do you get any? Do people ever give you say you know it's my business, I know what's going on? And how do you then steer them into into accepting that sometimes these things are are good, these things are necessary, and that these things are going to be able to help them in the end? Yes, good question. I mean, most of the time, the the, the, uh, the collaboration with the client is really, really good. So they don't, they don't, uh, they, they rarely say, oh, we don't really need that. But arguably that, I suppose, yeah, to be fair, we, we, we might suggest a number of KPIs to them, and they might say some of them, you know, it's just not worth tracking this kind of stuff. So Yes, you're right. I mean, there is there are instances where you know we, we might run through a list of things that we think might be useful, and then and then it's kind of a yay or nay. Can we do this? Can we not do this? But gen- generally speaking, the the sort of the, um, the 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 feedback that we get, or the response that we get, or the the, the willingness and motivation, shall we say, to, to work with us is very very high because you know the 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 idea really is that what we provide will help them ultimately run a more profitable and more efficient business, and they will make more money. So it's in their own best interest to give us the information so that ultimately, you know, it's, I mean, ultimately they're giving it to themselves, right? They're, they're you know, they're just giving us the info. We, 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 we're tracking it for them and they then see that on an ongoing basis. So just by having that discipline and tracking those, those really important um, sort of metrics is, is really crucial. And also the other thing that we do is, you know, we, we set up accounting systems as well, because quite often you find that, for instance, say you've got a business that sells, I don't know, um, you know, uh, you know, sheets of paper and cardboard boxes. Let's give a banal example. Sure. But you know, some, sometimes you know, so, so say those sheets of paper and cardboard boxes, they they amount to say a million quid, and but but they they record everything just on a single sales item in their profit and loss account. So it just says sales one million pounds. But actually, what we then tend to do is we say, well, actually, why don't we break that down between the different sales items? So say, for instance, you'd have then two lines of sales, one showing sheets of paper and the other one cardboard boxes, so they can then immediately see. Hey, we've actually done uh, you know 70, 70, 30 split between those two. So that that adds a level of information, and then you can break that down even further. You can then say, well, what are the costs involved in preparing cardboard boxes, and what are the costs involved in preparing sheets of paper? And then you'll have a, a gross profit for each individual income stream, which is super powerful because then you can say, okay, we're making I don't know, say 35% gross profit on on cardboard boxes, but only 20% on sheets of paper. Now, if 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 you then if you're then uh, smart, you say, well, actually, I want to grow that part of the business that gives me more gross profit margin, right? Yep. Because you know, the higher the gross profit margin, the more money I'm going to make on each pound that I sell, and that that's the level where you kind of get to where you really, really, you kind of supercharge things because you kind of realize, okay, I've now got this info. I've, I didn't have it before because I wasn't capable or didn't know how to break this information down, and that's really where you know where where we we sort of. Add, add this sort of you know this this extra uh, power in the in the management information to be able to tell them tell them look listen you know here this is where you're making money you know push this service if if you can assuming they can you normally they can and 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 this is where you're not making so much money so maybe you want to take that down a bit or just keep it running as it is yeah. and so it's it's those kind of uh, decisions that are then made also like for example we you know we've worked with businesses in the past where they they didn't know you know they weren't able to track. Uh, where, where, which locations they were making money, or which locations they were losing money. Okay. Same, same, same again. We set that up, and and we we, we show them where they're making and losing money. 
Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, some of those examples you've just given there may seem for many listeners to be, you know, quite basic things. And others yes. may be the case of, you know, I actually hadn't thought about doing it that way. You know, I hadn't thought that there were ways that I could I could separate just what, in my view, is, is one single sales stream. So I can imagine exactly. that's the, the benefit, again, of, of speaking to you. And, you know, I've got couple of probably last questions on this this particular topic and one of them is I think it's going to be very simple for you to answer and the other one um you know potentially not uh, so the first one very simple I'm sure if you have more management information does your approach yeah. basically pay for itself that I can imagine is going to be a very simple question to answer yeah and the second is if people haven't considered this where do they start? What would be your tips for for getting these initial lines down, for thinking about the approach? And I suppose part of that will be, you know, getting get in touch. But um, uh, you know, if they're just wanting to to start exploring this idea, where would they begin? Yeah, sure, sure. So, I mean, it's first question. The first question, um, you know, does it pay for itself? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a reasonably sized business, in other words, if you're even if you're doing just one to two hundred thousand pounds turnover, I think. You know, we could within a quite a short period of time add quite a lot of value, and it would just pay for itself. And ultimately, it's a, it's a, it's a. You know, the service that we provide, you know, for the business that we've been working with, we've paid for ourselves multiple times over, and that's why we we're very sticky in terms of, uh, you know, as a as a as a, uh, a customer of, of for our clients anyway. So, you know, the the um, you know, the work that we we, we do just pays for itself because the, the amount of money that that's being saved or the extra profit profits that are being made. Um, just completely works works in our client's favor. So that's 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 the first thing. In terms of other, you know, how 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 can you know uh, uh, clients or potential clients of ours do do their own thing in in the in the first instance? Well, I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, they they could, for example, um, uh, make sure that they they sort of split out their sales by 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 various account codes. So that that's kind of one thing to do. They could do that with the costs as well. Uh, so they could sort of try and track those costs. And I think the you know first you need to set up the right labels, shall we say? So in other words, the, the chart of accounts. So you need to give it your sales and, and costs a, a different name, so you know a, a appropriate by by income stream. Um, the other thing is you you know one thing that that people completely uh, forget in terms of setting things up. Sometimes they they post things to to the same account. So say for example, you could have you know one person uh, uh, enters a, a cost, which is say I don't know um, a, a a packet of crisps that they buy when they go on the train, they put that to general expenses and the other person puts it to, um, you know, food and subsistence. You need to have, I suppose that the, the point I'm trying to make is you need to have a consistent set of rules and procedures around how you record your, your, your costs and your sales. So say for instance, if you've got key suppliers, you want to have rules around what cost codes they're allocated to. And as long as you're consistent, you know, you don't need to necessarily need us to, to, to enter that information, yep. you can give those rules and procedures to your bookkeeper and you say, listen, I've got these 10 suppliers and I always want you to put that information or the, the invoices that they charge us to this cost code. And that, that way you achieve consistency because half of it's about having the right sort of um, layout, shall we say, for the profit and loss account. And the other thing is then the actually entering the information on a consistent basis, which is within an agreed set of rules. Because quite often when we come into working with clients, there's there's it's, it's chaos, right, right behind the scenes. Because you'll have a you'll have a bookkeeper so yeah, it goes there, and oh, I've done this this time, and then oh, I did it a little bit different that month, and it it can be a little bit chaotic. And 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 the the, the sort of the the uh, it's it's the discipline, right? It's the discipline and the rules that, that sort of go behind it 
if uh, you know, a bit like a, a marching band, you need a good conductor to tell people to be on time and and to sort of play the, the right notes in the right right sequence, right? Yep. And and that that's kind of what we do. We say, listen, you've got to do things like this. These are the rules. And obviously, we, we, we do them in agreement with our client. We don't just walk up and say, right, this is how it works, and you know, no questions asked. Yes. And we, we agree that, but there, there's a sort of a, an outline and a structure and an, and a, an agreed set of um, sort of uh, 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 roadmaps that we sort of go along. And, and, and that when that is followed, then then really the sort of the results speak for themselves. And I think that was a good way of putting it, really, wasn't it? The uh, having the the conductor or the you know the person leading leading the marching band, yeah. making sure that everybody's in time, and that's I suppose what you yeah. can do. And as you've said all the way through this, that it is about building a great relationship with uh, the client, the partner, the company. You know, the person that you are you are working with to make sure that everybody's lives are easier. There's all this information can be tracked, and that actually you know the growth can come from it quite seamlessly and and without uh, you know too much stress and too much chaos and uh, you know too many outliers. I suppose. Yeah. And if there is an yeah. outlier, you know where that is, and you know you know mm. potentially how it came about, and that you know it can be that's the, the benefit of having all of this information. You know, it means that you are able to to grow and to see. Now let's you know think. Cause obviously, we had at the start you were talking about the you know two two or three main areas of of the business, and and the other side of yeah. it is, um, you know, a company's done very well. It has you know got through. It's got all its information together in this you know hypothetical situation I'm putting together here. Um, and you know the company wants to get evaluation. What does yeah. that mean? You know, what at what point do people get to the stage where they then are able to take advantage of your other service? Yeah, it's a good question. So yeah, business valuation is kind of there's, there's, there could be all kinds of scenarios why um, businesses will want to have an evaluation uh, done, and obviously we we then act uh, in that capacity as an independent value of that of that particular business. So there's kind of sort of the good, the bad, and the ugly, really, in, in when it comes to that. So the good, say, for example, is when you're sort of seeking investment or you, or, you, or you say, for example, you want to sell. So that could be, say, for example, you're looking for an equity investment from a you know, venture capital fund or from, a, from another sort of private investor, um, or you just want to sell the business and you're, you're keen on finding out you know, how, much, how much is it worth. It could also be that you're, um, you know, you're, you're trying to implement an EMI scheme and, uh, for, for, your, for, your, for key employees. Or it could be, for example, that you want to uh, um, sell your shares to an employee-owned trust. So that's called an EOT transaction, where you need a, 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 a independent valuation done to make sure that the business is sold at the sort of a not above the market value of of the, the shares that that, that, we, that we sort of derive. Um, in terms of the bad, you know, it could be that you you, you want to um, you know part company with your business partner or business partners. And typically, then you know, there's there's a, there's a quabble around. Well, how much are my shares worth? And then we then come in and, and provide a valuation report. Or all the you know the the, the ugly is sort of you know I'm getting divorced. So you've got your business owner who's sort of yes. is parting company. You know, he or she is parting company with with with, with uh, the other side, and um, they're getting divorced, and, and they, they they need a business valuation. So there's all all manner of scenarios. We tend to work more on on the sort of the, the, the should we say the positive side of things. So um, you know, EOT transaction, employee-owned transactions, uh, where 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 um, businesses are sold to employee uh, employee-owned trust. That's the kind of work that we do quite a lot. Uh, and and also when when investment is sought from from third parties. But we we've done also work when it comes to sort of uh, more so kind of litigious scenarios, shall we say. Yep. 
Yeah, and uh, I can imagine they get very, very messy and uh, probably quite stressful yeah. for everybody, everybody involved. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, how what does that, let's say, the process look like? How long does it take? What are the the processes involved? What are the steps involved? And is there a particular way that you go around making sure that you are checking the value of the company is correct, so that nobody is getting, um, you know, let's say, uh, uh, a bad deal? Yeah, sure. I mean, we we so I mean, we come to our own conclusion in terms of the value. So the information that we usually ask for is, you know, we we ask for the statutory accounts uh, that, that are obviously available. They're they're, they're available, and uh, that because that, that gets filed at companies' house, so that's public information. But we we also ask for profit and loss account that um, that normally the the just the shareholders see. So most businesses, when they're of a certain size in in the UK, they only have to file a balance sheet. But they're what normally happens is that the the accountant, the statutory accountant, prepares a, 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 the, the statutory accounts with a, a profit and loss account attached to it, which only the, the shareholders see. Um, but then we also get hold of the management accounts, so that's sort of last three years worth of data. And then we ask for maybe breakdown of, of certain items that were, um, you know, sort of large items that we, we want to analyze in more detail. Say, for example, if there were exceptional income like um, COVID, uh, you know, uh, COVID um, job retention scheme income, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a sort of, we usually prepare a wish list that we send to our clients. Uh, we review that information. Uh, we typically have, uh, at least two or three calls with our clients during the process. Um, and then normally the, 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 the report, we ultimately would prepare a report. So the ultimate output is a, is a, is a business valuation report, which is somewhere between 20 and 30 pages. And, um, and, and we sort of review and question our clients around, you know, certain assumptions. Say, for example, if they're still, forecasting out the current financial year we ask them well is this achievable or yeah. on what basis etc cetera, etc cetera, um, and ask them around the underlying assumptions and um, but yeah usually the report takes about three minimum three to four weeks typically three to four weeks and um, and then ultimately we come to a conclusion which we then we typically discuss the draft conclusion with with the client if mainly making sure that we've got our facts correct and then we normally issue a final report after that which then either uh, is taken by you know either the lawyer or the other advisors to to either you know for, for their purposes and or for the for the client themselves as well. Okay, and then so thinking of it that way, is there any sort of factors that will come into play that will, you know, affect the value of the business? As you said there, you know, the coronavirus um, job retention scheme. If a company's got lots of debt, if it's got you know overinflated assets, you know, things like that, does it affect what you will then be able to put forward as the value of the business? Is that a, uh, you know, are those things taken into account and consideration? And is it sort of a, you know, is, is it is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we there there are there are a few things that we sort of tend to look out for in terms of um, uh, you know, in, in particular when it comes to profit and loss account. You know, we look at sort of non-recurring exceptional costs, so that could be both income and and uh, and a cost item. So, say for instance, say you've got uh, you know you had an employee and and that employee was you know say, say dismissed or fired or whatever, and you, you've got a legal dispute going on. You know, we'd add the the you know your lawyer's fees in those years back. As, a, as, a, as an add back to, to sort of any profit that was, was derived in that year, because we'd say, well, actually, you know, this is not the normal part of, 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 uh, of, of you know, how you run your business. You know, we're not expecting to have 15,000 pounds worth of lawyer's fees every year. Yeah, and those outliers. That was, that's not, not, yeah, those are outliers. Or, for example, if they're, for example, these, you know, COVID grants uh, or, or uh, CJS income, you know, that, that kind of thing, we, w- we would deduct that uh, because obviously that's more of an exceptional item. 
Um, we also, you know, say for example, if you know some directors or some owner owners, you know, so they, they pay themselves a way above a market salary, just because they can. Uh, we then tend to, um, you know, adjust actually that that figure back to a normal market salary to to sort of come back to a, a sort of reality, shall we say, of, sure. of what a normal normal person would be uh, <laughs> earning in, in in that kind of capacity, shall we yeah. say. So th- there's that. Um, and and I, those, those are kind of the, the, the key items that we look into uh, when it comes to sort of calculating the, the profit, shall we say, uh, that we then use uh, to, to to work out uh, what the uh, what the value of the business is. Okay. And then, as I said, on the, on the debt side, does that come into play as well? Yeah, it does. It does. And um, I suppose the best way to, uh, to, to to sort of to illustrate that is really with an example. It's a bit tricky, obviously, because we don't have any any sort of screen to share. But I mean. It's it's a bit like the value of the house, Joshua. If you you know, say for example, yeah. if your house is worth a million quid, and and say you, you put it on the market, you bring up your stage agent, and he or she she would say, well, it's worth a million quid. If you've got a three hundred thousand pounds mortgage against that that uh, uh, that um, house, or let's call it a mansion, uh, you know, you'll you, you'll be left with once your, once your buyer turns up and buys that house off you, you get seven hundred thousand pounds left, right? Because you've got to hand over three hundred thousand pounds over to uh, to the to the to the mortgage provider on on completion, and it, it's it's the same when it comes to your your business. You know, if you've got a a, a million a, a business that's worth a million quid, if you've got a bank debt in there of three hundred thousand, then the sh- the value of your shares, the equity value of your shares, and this is where it's sort of similar to when it comes to the terminology of the house, the equity value of the shares is only seven hundred thousand, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. someone's going to pay a million quid for your business, but we then work out well what is what's the debt, and obviously that's easy. easy because that's that's on the balance sheet. That's, that's something that should be, you know, shown on the balance sheet. If, say, for example, you've got your your the enterprise value is what we call it. That's your million pounds. That's what you start off with. Mm. Less the debt of say three hundred thousand gives you an equity value of, of seven hundred thousand. And it's just these concepts of actually enterprise value being that the, the value of, of the business as a whole. In other words, that's the, the value of that the business. And in our example, that would be the value of the, the house. And, and less the debt equals equity value. A lot of people don't understand that. They they they. But how would they, to be fair, because they, they would have never come across that before. But debt, yes, does does affect the business. And, and typically what you find is that, say, for example, if, if a business is highly geared, in other words, it's got a lot of debt, then uh, it might be worth a lot of money. So in other words, it could be worth 10 million quid. But if you've got 9 million pounds worth of debt on the balance sheet, you as shareholders will not see an awful lot. So you can have a business worth 10 million for 9 million uh, you know, debt figure. What, what, if someone buys that for ten million quid, you, you're not going to see any of that. You'll yeah. just see a million quid at the end of it. And and a lot of a lot of owners don't realise that. So that that's that kind of uh, that's quite a crucial thing. And um, the other thing, actually, there's yeah, the other thing there's actually an upside there because actually it could be that some business have got have got excess cash in 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 their business. So in other words, what that means is if you say to run your business on a normal day to day day to day basis. You need fifty thousand pounds in the bank, but over the years of trading, you've you've built up a, a massive cash cushion because you left money in the business and you just didn't take anything out because you was either frugal or just didn't need it, or you made so much money that you took a load of money out, but there's still a load left. Then, say for example, if if your business has got say two hundred thousand pounds of excess cash in it, and, and let's assume on this scenario you've got no debt, if you would say for example that business, the enterprise value of that business is is a million pounds. But it's got another two hundred thousand pounds of excess cash, then it would actually be worth one point two million. Yes. So, in other words, in this case, you you you'd be you'd be actually be worth more than it because the, the underlying principle is that the 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 um you know the 
the, the, the price of the business or what, what it's actually truly worth is, is, is both cash-free and, and debt-free. In other words, there's no excess cash in there, nor is there any debt in there. So it can work both ways. Sean, you've been very good at making sure that all of these quite complex topics so far have been very easily digestible for people, myself included. But there is one thing good. so far that you've said that I am going to truly disagree on, and that's the million pound mansion. That's a one and a half bedroom <laughs> flat in Shoreditch at the moment. But, um, you know, it <laughs> entirely depends on <laughs> yeah. which way, again, you're looking at these things. But, um, you know, obviously, yeah. again, this is one of the things that you do, and it's one of the things that you, you do well. And, um, you know, why? what is the point of, coming to you to do this when a business can do it themselves you know businesses can value themselves and they can put it out there what is the benefit of making sure that they have that external and that you know expert that's done this time and time again yeah i mean that's that's a good question i mean i mean look, first and foremost i suppose it's credibility so in other words if you go to your bank or a sort of an, uh, or a, you know, someone who wants to sort of invest in your business i think they they will you know inevitably you know because we've done this time and time again and, and we do it on a professional basis um you know we've got the experience and we know where to look and we've got the resources to do that so yes of course as a business owner you can say well you know i've do a hundred thousand pounds uh you know uh, earnings before interest tax and depreciation which is it's, it's short for you know long form of the ebitda that's a very popular number that's used as a, a sort of a, a figure an earnings figure to, to is then multiplied to create this value so you know say you earn a hundred thousand pounds ebitda times five is, is five hundred thousand pounds worth five hundred grand, right? You could do that, but you know, ultimately, you, you, you'll you, you'll just you know Google something, you'll come up with a figure that that maybe you know you'll, you'll find on the internet after about half an hour. What we do is actually in-depth research. We look at comparable transactions. We've got databases. We do analysis on the numbers. Uh, we actually uh, you know append and include all the transactions that we find in in our research to corroborate. The earnings multiple that we use. So the earnings multiple is the factor that times which you multiply the, the earnings figure. So in our examples, when we had the hundred grand, that, that I used a, a five times x for so five times EBITDA, or the hundred grand was was five hundred thousand. That that five times we research the hell out of that, frankly, <laughs> and uh, we we work really hard to to make sure that that's the right number. And I think I think it's 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 having the time, the resource, the knowledge, and experience. So. As with anything, you know, you, you could do it yourself if you wanted to. Whether whether or not that 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 number is is believable and credible is a completely different ball game because I, I suspect the answer will be obviously not. But um, you, you could give it a crack and there's nothing stopping you. We, we, you know, go away, but uh, and, and go for it. But I think that if if you if well if you wanted if it's not required, let's put it this way, you know, from a statutory perspective, like for example for HMRC purposes. Um, you know, you could, you could you could come up with that number, and, and people might might believe it, but ultimately it would probably lack credibility. And and the, the the I suppose the biggest problem that owners have is that you know, as as ever, beauty is in the eye of the, of the beholder. You know, um, you know, I they might think ask, business yeah. is worth. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they inevitably most businesses, you know, most owners overvalue the the the, the, the you know the amount of wish that, that they can sell their business for or the, what they think it's worth. It's just the way it is. It's, it's a psychological thing because you don't lack the, so you you don't have the, um, should we say the, the 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 distance from it. You know, you're right inside it. You've been working with it for years. It's your baby. Of course, you're going to think it's worth more, and it's just the way it is. That's that's a normal thing. 
No, absolutely. You know, it's as as I asked before with the uh, you know the management information side of it. I'm sure you get a bit of kickback, um, you know, from business yeah. owners when it comes to to the valuation side because you're right. It is you know the the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It is your child. It is the thing that you've worked towards and the, you know you've worked for. And um, you know it's going to be very important. But I suppose that really in itself is the perfect example as to why people should be going to you know trusted experts like yourself and, mm. and your company. You know to make sure that the figures are correct and to make sure that they're moving mm. forwards with confidence and clarity. Um, and I suppose as we're sort of, you know, wrapping up on today's show, I always like to ask people, you know, what they're planning for the future. You know, what have you got coming up over the next 12 months? Do you have any new projects, any plans, any expansions? Or are you just trying to really hone in on, on the things that you are good at and making sure that you're, you know, improving them as well? Yeah, both really. I mean, we, you know, we want to carry on doing what we do right and, and continue doing that. And, and at the same time, we're looking forward to working with a, a bunch of new clients um, that we've recently joined forces with. So, um, you know, we, we're, we're having a little bit more exposure to the hospitality sector, which is really, really interesting because it's quite a challenging time at the moment. But at the same time, there's lots of interesting stuff going on there. So, we, you know, we want to continue to grow and provide a great service. And, and, and that, that's really it, really, for, for 2023. No, so that sounds like it's still going to be an interesting year, a new industry to be exploring and, um, you know, new lessons to be learned mm. that can hopefully be be ported across the, the whole company as well. But Sean, I just want to say thank you mm. ever so much for, for coming on today. And if, uh, you know, listeners do want to get in touch, they want to reach out, is it better to go via LinkedIn, Twitter, company website, that sort of thing? Any any of the above, yeah. Company website, give us a ring, whatever whatever's easiest for you, we'll respond as quickly as we can fantastic so probably for everybody most easy to just um, google specialist accounting solutions and and go from there but sean thank you again ever so much for coming on and to everybody that was listening in thank you as well appreciate it many thanks brilliant thank you and goodbye